0: I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 75. 75.
1: Like, mind blowing. For real. For real. That means almost like 75 weeks we've been doing this. Whoa. Because I think there was one week that we came out with two that we actually, it was like our first Halloween. Oh. You know, that we actually so it's like, I think actually 74. But anyway, that doesn't matter. 75 weeks.
0: Holy shit. hmm Are you tired of me yet? <laughs> I mean, I was tired before we even started. <laughs> Just kidding. She's codependent. She's kidding. <laughs> yes. I mean, I am, too. Hello, this is why we work. <laughs> like, what you doing? Nothing. You want to hang out? No. Okay. All right. Come on down, Donna. Okay. <laughs> want me to get food?
1: <laughs> or like, Tiffany, hey, what are you doing? Nothing? What are you doing? Nothing. Just wanted to make sure.
0: Yeah, She <laughs> legit will. She gets my hopes up because I'm like, oh, Timmy's calling. What's up? She's like, what you doing? Nothing. What are you doing? Like, what you want to do? Nothing. All right. I guess I'll let you go. What the fuck? She just like, had FOMO. She's got to make sure
1: she's not missing anything.
0: Yeah. So
1: if you're just sitting there watching TV chilling, she going to be – She just got to
0: make sure you're not doing something fun. <laughs> right? Like, but I mean, we could – we could do something fun together. We could watch TV together. <laughs> I will find you.
1: <laughs> you know who else we're going to find? Who? Patreoners. Ooh, ooh. So thank you so freaking much, Erin L. from Connecticut, Karen A.
0: from California, Tara P. from North Carolina, Katherine R. from Arkansas, Kristen M. from Massachusetts, and Bobby Joe B. from Pennsylvania.
1: Thank y'all all so freaking much for being part of the Patreon. All the bonus content that y'all are getting, I hope that y'all freaking love. When you join Patreon, it unlocks all the previous bonus content, too. So y'all got some catching up to do.
0: Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I mean, hopefully y'all like it because we love we love the extra bonus stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The bonus episodes are some of my favorites, except for I survived. That gives me so much damn
0: anxiety.
1: <laughs> I'm like, Donna, tell the story faster. I have to know what happens. <laughs> so if y'all want all that extra bonus content you want an episode shout out you want to hear the bloopers all that stuff head on over to patreon.com slash the apc podcast
0: oh oh yeah and we just passed our next goal so with all the extra clips and everything we now have to do a video so y'all are gonna get to see our faces
1: (laughs) In something other than our Facebook lives. Mm-hmm. Ding! <laughs> you know the little ding? Yeah. So the new Patreon benefit thingy that we're going to do is, like Donna said, videos. We're going to do, like, Donna and Carrie react videos where we watch stuff, listen to stuff, and you get to see our kooky-ass <laughs> expressions and our belly shake like a bowl full of jelly when we laugh. <laughs> <laughs> All the... All the good good that is whatever, us, I you guess. Say good good, but... Uh, it's bad bad, but also is so bad bad, it's good <laughs> good. So, stay tuned,
0: it's coming! That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into this whole episode, because I think it's going to be a long one. Maybe not. Because Carrie, Carrie got a lot of paper. I didn't make a post about it or anything because it was like a hard day for me, but... August the 19th was my mom's birthday and she would have been 70. And so when we were talking about 75 episodes, I was like, whoa, that's, oh God. Like, you know, and so Mm -hmm. it just re-triggered that, that whole thing. And so I just want to say, thank y'all so much because like, it was a hard day. And I think only because, well, I mean, underlying factor of she's gone and she's my mom, but On my birthday, I had gotten so much love and just, like, more than I've ever gotten before. So, thank y'all for that. And then it was, like, I wanted to be able to, like, show her love and, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. have that with her and I couldn't and, you know, all of that. Plus, it was her 70th birthday. Yeah. So, it was, like, a milestone. Right. However, it just, like, hit me, though, that I do get to celebrate with her so much because... Like I've said before, this podcast really has, it's kind of healed me in a way I didn't know that it would. Mm -hmm. And so, thank y'all so much for allowing me to talk about her and to share stuff like this. and Love her. Yes. Because y'all do. Y'all love her, too.
1: You know, like the stories and the, I can't wait to hear more Patty stories or, you know, whatever.
0: It really means a lot. And... Like I was gonna I had typed up some stuff to put out there and like share pictures of her and I just never did it because I didn't wanna like have to respond or anything that yeah. day. But I am gonna like share some pictures of like little Donna and Hey little Donna. <laughs> I said and me. What? You are little Donna. <laughs> I am. That is me. Uh <laughs> no, me and my mom and you know, stuff like that. I am gonna share that because I did it for my sister's birthday. Anyway, I just want to say thank y'all for being really my family and for allowing me to be close with my mom, even though she's not here. And I don't know, like it is like I'm carrying on this legacy that I didn't even know I wanted to. Yeah.
1: But I think that this podcast has done that for both of us in a way that I'm surprised by too. Like really made up because, you know, vulnerability is very scary. Yeah. And like through interactions with everyone who listens and you know, I mean, we've developed some really close friendships and bonds with people through the podcast yeah. and that you know, we're putting ourselves out there every week and I mean, some of the shit that y'all get from us on Patreon with our extra <laughs> slices is 100% real and raw and all the stories of full embarrassment like we share everything (laughs) yeah and so I think that that level of vulnerability has actually instead of being so scary has had the opposite effect almost in a way like increased confidence increased just Mm self-awareness and acceptance but of myself yeah because I feel like we've you know we are accepting of others but not ourselves mm-hmm. and our emotions and our perspectives and our everything and mm-hmm. so i think that again i feel like the podcast has helped both of us in that way yeah and so we've both i feel like healed a little bit as humans mm-hmm. in different ways and it's so crazy to think of this podcast being the reason for that i know yeah but it's the bonds mm-hmm. with that have been created with people and are continuing to grow and you know all of that and it's yeah and it's because of everybody who listens
0: yeah so seriously thank y'all so much
1: well thank you for Sharon
0: who's Sharon
1: she is Cheryl's cousin and she is so pissed about Cheryl she shed
0: <laughs> oh my god did you see that that meme where it was like Cheryl's husband is watering the. Mm-hmm. Uh, the... The yard. Uh-huh. And not her house, or her. she shed. This burning down. Mm-hmm. And it was from a lightning, like, it was struck by lightning at a thunderstorm, so why is he watering the lawn?
1: Because it should have been raining.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: We're looking at you, Cheryl's husband.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I is it state farm they are like (laughs) churchy because that truly
0: oh my god hilarious
1: is like it's probably not even state farm but like whoever made that commercial is like damn that -hmm. marketing company their shit probably went Mm -hmm.
0: i will say state farm if that's not them they still are awesome because jake from state farm If I hear the name Jake, I'm like, from State Farm? He sounds hideous. Or she sounds hideous. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh, God.
1: All right. Enough of that seriousness.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into some... Awful
1: shit. Yeah. Some really awful shit. So this week, I'm doing a serial killer that I had never heard of. Oh, fuck. I mean, that's not saying a lot because, you know, I, re- I don't remember people's names. I forget shit. I probably have done an episode on this and don't remember. <laughs> but Creep Mom actually recommended this one to me. Oh, shit. And I don't think she... I, Teresa's probably like, uh, yeah, I knew him. But I don't think she had heard of him either. Mm. But I could be wrong. Because, again, I don't remember shit. But anyway, his net, y'all are like, who the fuck is it? Right? So I'm doing Carl Panzeram. Oh, Carly Carl. Was pretty fucked up. I mean as are all serial killers. But like he liked to fuck with people just to fuck with people. He like he didn't like people. Like he was quoted saying, The world would be a better place if people all died.
0: Is he related to you? Damn. (laughs) He's my third cousin, twice (laughs) removed.
1: (laughs) It's my grandpa. Carl was, like, I don't even know how to describe him. Like, he just was, you know, because he calls me at home. I love how I'm like, I don't know how to describe him. But but it's said that he just kind of had a presence. Like, people were scared of him. They Like, he was, like, a really strong man. But also, he wasn't that huge. But he just had such a presence. And he was physically strong. So, people just kind of feared him.
0: Like, he was domineering or whatever?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. He was born June 28, 1891, on a farm in Minnesota. His parents were, well, one thing said that they were Prussian. One thing said they were German. But I think there was, like, a split and a Prussian no longer history shit. Don't really know. But that's where they were from. He had five brothers, one sister, and... Again, they they were farmers, but it said, like, they were dirt farmers. So, basically, it means that, like, their soil was so shitty, they basically just farmed dirt. Like, nothing ever grew out of it. So, they were very poor.
0: My God, that's sad.
1: Hence, dirt poor.
0: What? Uh
1: Uh-huh. I think, from what (laughs) I...
0: Oh, God. Well, here it is again. Carrie's uncertain trivia (laughs) fact.
1: Well, okay. A a dirt farmer, that is what that means. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think that that's where Dirtport came from.
0: Okay. Maybe. Possibly. Don't quote us.
1: Probably, though. It seems logical. Well, his dad ended up abandoning them. And, you know, again, he was born in 1891. So we're talking like early 1900s when his father left him. And so it wasn't like you just go get divorced. It was, you know, he just literally walked out one day and never came back. And so his mom is left with the farm and the kids, and it's not a profitable farm. It's, you know, they really struggle to make ends meet. And so, like, the kids would get up early, work on the farm, go to school, come home, work on the farm till way late, because it was just them, you know? Carl later said that his siblings were, like, honest and dedicated and all these things, but He's also quoted talking about how his brothers would, like, beat him for no reason. He said, Everybody thought it was all right to deceive me, lie to me, kick me around whenever they felt like it. And they felt like it pretty regular.
0: That's sad.
1: Yeah. He has some pretty, like, poignant quotes, I guess you would say. Like, you know, when you know, I mean, you know they're coming from a serial killer, so it's a little, ooh. You know, but on the other hand, you're like, That, I mean, if you just think about someone talking about their childhood, and he, you know, was in part a product of his childhood and his life, because we're going to talk about his background is a huge part of what made him who he was. Yeah. Which is, again, with most serial killers, and they have this really shitty background, they have this, you know, bad home life, it's just the perfect storm to create a monster. He also said that when talking about how the differences between him and his siblings, he said, I've been a human animal ever since I was born. I was a thief and a liar. The older I got, the meaner I got. When Carl was 11 is when he jumped into his criminal career. <laughs> he, so, okay. he broke into his neighbor's house. He saw like, an apple and some other shit and a handgun. An apple and a handgun? Mm-hmm. So... That escalated. <laughs> but, to it just kind of shows the juxtaposition of his age. Yes. And it just it just shows that because, again, he's 11-year-old boy still in, like, candy and apples. And then... But then
0: a handgun. You know? Well, he's trying to keep that doctor away. Mm-hmm. Or getting good with his teacher. Uh, true. Mm-hmm. Tangent. You said candy and apple. Do you like candied apples?
1: Yes. <laughs> Especially if they're dipped in chocolate chips.
0: I don't like candy apples. You don't know what's good. My mama liked them and I'm like, ooh.
1: But I can't, you can't just bite it. You gotta like cut it
0: and oh, eat it. no, because, my mama would be like.
1: Yeah, well that's savage as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> You have to like cut it and so you can bite it. Uh uh-uh. uh, I'm I'm trying to keep these teeth. The thought of putting, she had false teeth. Yes, the thought of putting dentures in my mouth. Literally, like as an occupational therapist, I have gagged watching people put their dentures in. <laughs> like you know, we're working on like standing at the sink, blah blah, in therapy, and I'm like, gotta, I, I can't, I can't. That's like my biggest fear in life is having to have dentures one day.
0: You do always dream that your teeth are falling out. Uh huh.
1: Well, it's usually that this one right here is loose. <laughs> Just this one. It's always loose. Okay, sorry. Back to Carl. Okay. So his brothers found out and beat the fuck out of him. Like, beat him until he was unconscious. Head injury. Well, he ended up getting arrested for that. So this was in 1903. And he was sent to this, like, reform school called the Minnesota State Training School. This was in St. Paul, Minnesota. And think about, like, every prison movie you've watched where the COs like, get away with fucking murder. Like, literally, get away with murder. You know, they get to do whatever they want to do. That's how this was for these kids. They had zero supervision. Like, as far as, like, the guards had zero supervision. They were able to do whatever the fuck they wanted to. They punished them how they wanted to. They raped these kids. They, I mean, they just, they beat them mercilessly. Like, it just was horrible.
0: Stories like that, like, they almost make me as mad as fucking Chris, motherfucking Watts, <laughs> and do you know he's getting a fucking lifetime movie? Yeah,
1: I, you know, it's such a, it's such a fine line that we walk in the true crime world mm-hmm. because, I mean, we have a true crime podcast, so we obviously talk about and you know these killers and stuff and give them publicity and all this shit, but. I don't know. It's like when it's something so fresh like that, right? And he gets a fucking like movie deal. Like, is he getting money
0: off of this? I have no. Oh my god, don't. Oh fuck. Because
1: it's like you know, it'd be different if he you know hadn't murdered his kids and he was getting some money off of it and it went to his kids or something. Mm-hmm. But fuck you. Well,
0: you know he's gonna be like, "Who's playing me?" Oh, I can't stand his ass, Donna.
1: Like, you can literally. Not literally, figuratively, <laughs> see her blood boil when she yes, talks about I him. I
0: hate him.
1: Like it like I the literally. like the the energy in the room has shifted because yeah, I she said hate Chris why? like it's heavier. Like <laughs> like I can feel her like heart getting fast and mad. Yes.
0: I hate him.
1: <laughs> hate him. Well, you know, and it's like, okay, so we watch the Ted Bundy tapes and all these, you know, all these mm-hmm. different movies and Mindhunter and all that stuff, but it's like I don't, I don't know. I just, it's something about when it's super, super fresh like that. And they are making, making money off of it. You know, it's like.
0: Well, and I'm like, I want to know how they're going to portray him because mm -hmm. he is like fucking, he can't do any wrong Mm -mm. for some people. And I'm like. Because he's
1: attractive. uh Uh-huh. Because it is totally true and a thing that if he was not attractive, Nobody would have given two fucking shits, mm-hmm. unfortunately. I mean, it's not how it should be. Right. But if he was, I don't even know, just like everybody's obsessed with Ted Bundy because they think he's attractive, you know? Yeah. You either have to be, like, this, like, prolific, terrible human being mm-hmm. or, like, oh, he's cute.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and that's another thing that pisses me off about him. Not that he was like huge to begin with.
1: Which if he was cool. Yeah. I mean like, hilarious, hilarious. Extra large pizzas. Yes. Ain't no shame in that.
0: No. But he was nothing like this. And then Shanann was doing Thrive mm-hmm. and he lost fucking weight with her. Mm-hmm. And it's like he was feeling himself. And then got his little girlfriend on the side and mm-hmm. shit. And it's like, um, did she look at you before?
1: No, she didn't. But your fucking wife did. Uh-huh. Just don't fucking cheat on people. That is yes. like the lowest of the fucking low.
0: Yes. Oh, and she was pregnant. Oh, my God. Okay. Sorry. Let's Tangent. go back to this Ooh, terrible go. person. Okay.
1: Let's go back to, yeah.
0: Okay. Oh, Carl, Chris Watts, like both see. Oh, fuck my life. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> well, when Carl got to the Minnesota training school, the first thing that happened was they brought him into this office so that he could, like, you know, they could, like, inspect him. Here's the rules. Like, we got to make sure you're healthy. Blah, 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 blah. And by that, I mean a male staff member, like, stripped him and raped him. Day one. What? Yeah. Not, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: What? hmm
1: Yep. Asked him all about, like, have you had sex? Have you done that? You know, to, like, get all this sexual information from him. Fuck. Ugh. Uh-huh. So this is a quote from Carl about what happened to him. He examined my penis and my rectum asking me if I had ever committed fornication or sodomy or had ever had sodomy committed on me or if I had ever masturbated.
0: That makes me so mad when, oh.
1: And here's the thing too that makes it not worse because that's fucking terrible. But these kids were indoctrinated with these Christian teachings and trainings. And it's like. If they weren't acting correctly, they were then, like, savagely beaten by the corrections officers and also sexually fucking assaulted. You know? And it's like, okay, but here are the Christian values that you should live by. Right. And if you don't, we're going to beat you. But, oh, by the way, we also are going
0: to rape you. Uh Uh-huh. Well, and that's what they usually say. That's the only way they learn. Uh Uh-huh. Like, fuck you. Uh-huh. Fuck you.
1: He, so the kids here were beat with wooden planks, leather straps, whips, like really heavy paddles.
0: And. What the red room's going on here?
1: Well, and the thing too is that I can't, I think it was this place that he was. I can't, it may be one of the, it may be the next place, but in one of them, he figured out quickly too, though, that. Basically, they would, like, line the kids up and, like, or make the – this is how I pictured it. The the
0: Von Trapp people? No,
1: this is is not – this is terrible. But this is how I pictured how it was described. It's almost like it was, like, an obstacle course of beatings. (gasps) And they, like, because it had a – again, I cannot remember if it was this place, and I may get to the next place that he went to, and it's in my notes. But, like, they had, like, this machine that, like, Basically, it was like a paddle on a loop that would, like, hit him. Yeah. And so it was like, that. that's why I say it's almost like that wipeout show, but oh really God, inappropriate yes. with, like, beatings. Yes. I shouldn't be like, that's really terrible. That's but, terrible. But you know, that's just how I pictured it. But, yes. Okay, so Carl quickly figured out that the more he screamed, the more he cried, the more, you know, as with all the other kids, the more it excited the guards. Uh-huh. Which, duh. But as an 11-year-old, he figured that out. And so he would go through it and be as stoic as possible and just take it. And so it would kind of shorten it for him because Mm -hmm. he wouldn't give them what they wanted. Yeah. Again, though, you can see how fucked up. You know, did he have some of that nature in him? Absolutely. fucking Mm -hmm. But how much is what he went through... As a child with his brothers and now this reform school and all the shit you're about to hear
0: made him who he was. Oh, for sure. This, it's like he had that, I hate to say this, but like that bad seed in him. And then this just like watered it and fertilized it. And, you know, I mean, because too, like if you think about it, all right, he has to shut down his emotions and take these terrible things. So he's making himself like less human. He's learning
1: to disassociate. Yes. And so the actions and the emotions.
0: Yes. And that right there is terrible. And that terrifying. right there mm-hmm, is a
1: breeding ground for psychopathy. Yes. So listen to this quote. Talking about the training school, he said that I was reformed all right. I had been taught by Christians how to be a hypocrite. And I had learned more about stealing, lying, hating, burning, and killing. I had learned that a boy's penis could be used for something besides to urinate with and that a rectum could be used for other purposes.
0: God. In
1: 1905, when he was still at the reform school, he, okay, Carl was always trying to think of, like I said, he hated human beings, all human beings. And so he was all about like the long game. You know, life was a chess match of how to get revenge. And again, you'll see in these ways that he played a long game. But in 1905, when he was there, he created like a little like, not a bomb, but like a little thing to create a fire in one of the buildings at the school. So he like set that shit on fire. It was like a it was a workshop. And he's just like laying in his bed fucking laughing at his revenge, you know? And yeah. so it's like so that he just became maniacal, you know?
0: Oh my god, that word. Like it's so descriptive. Mm-hmm. What's re- that
1: called when it when it sounds like what it is? Like a like bup, it sounds like what it is. Yeah, an onomatopoeia. I had totally had to Google it because I thought that's what it was. Whatever. Again, like, pop. <laughs> I pop you on the head. <laughs> okay. Anyway, all right. Okay. <laughs> His mom came to get him from the little reform school when it was time for him to leave. And he was never a good kid, but she did notice that he was like, as one article described it, withdrawn and quiet. But here's the thing, she's the mom of fucking seven kids, and she ain't got no time because she's a single mom running a fucking farm. And so another thing that had happened too was that one of his brothers drowned and died.
0: Oh god! And
1: so his and then his mom's health wasn't that good, and so it was just like she had bigger fucking fish to fry than her, you know what I mean? Than her kid that just got out of this reform school that. Was tormented, you know what I mean? Yeah. As terrible as that is, I kind of feel like she was doing the best she could.
0: Yeah. Well, and like you said, she had a lot of shit on her plate. Also, if he wasn't a great kid, and he's a little bit more withdrawn and like quiet, she's probably like, okay, good. Yeah. You know.
1: Well, he he just he despised his mother. There's a another quote of he. He just has so many quotable quotes. You know
0: uh-huh
1: but he said that like with his mom there was little love lost i first liked her and respected her my feelings gradually turned from that to distrust dislike disgust and from there it was very simple for my feelings to turned into positive hatred towards her and so just think about too like we are both close to our moms in very different ways though yeah and I just can't imagine growing up with a mother that you hate. Like that's a nice. love and a bond that is so precious. You know, how do mm-hmm. you how do you reconcile that in your brain and grow as a human being? That is like basic psych 101 like yeah. Erickson's levels, you know, attachment, trust versus you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like it's very basic. Yeah. In that You like how I just throw out these theories like I know what I'm talking Mm -hmm, about? mm -hmm. Okay. So, this is just a side of the times, this next little story about him. Crime Library had an article on Murderpedia that, like, that is where I got the bulk of this stuff. Because it is, like, just the perfect little little timeline of, you know what I mean? Like, good job, thanks. (laughs) 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 Okay. So, Carl's 14, and... He's working in the fields and he's like fuck this. Like my mom's a bitch. I don't want to fucking do this farm work. Like I'm out. And so he convinces his mom to send him to a different school. Well, he had this teacher there that was a fucking asshole, beat him all the time. And he was like, I'm I'm done. Like I'm th- fuck this guy, right? So Carl gets a fucking gun, takes it to the school with him. And one thing said that he got in like a, like a tussle with the teacher and the handgun fell out of his pants.
0: Is that a handgun or are you just happy to see me? Mm-hmm.
1: Another thing I read, though, said he like pulled the fucking gun on the teacher and pulled the trigger and the gun didn't go off. Oh, my God. So what do you do when a kid brings a gun to school in early 1900s? Just send him home. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, just go home. Don't come back. Wow. hmm So he was sent back home, went back to the farm, and he was like, fuck this. And so he began to to live a life kind of out on the lam. Because, again, back then, people who were homeless used the, tr- the railroad, the trains. They'd hop mm-hmm. on the freight trains and all that, and that's how they would to get around. And it was like this whole... I don't know if I can say this word, but it's was what it was at the time. It was the hobo culture, mm-hmm. and I think I think that like there were different homeless just didn't describe what it was. You know, because it was there were different there were different descriptors used intentionally. As in the hobo culture was a culture of riding on the trains, getting off to work or do whatever, you know, and, and going around like that. So, I don't mean that derogatory. It was just the word that was used then. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of that, there was a post in our group one time about someone, like, that had a sign, on like, with chalk or something. Yes. Yeah. And I did not know that they had their own, like... That is called... Yes, 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 yes. Okay. That was... It was called Hobo Code. Yes.
1: Okay. So what I found about the Hobo Code, it says that basically it started in the 1900s, like just right around the time oh, that wow. he, early 1900s with like people who were on hopping trains and stuff and that they would basically use like hieroglyphics. Yeah. To. Yes. Yes. To label things so pe- other people that were coming by would know. Okay, this person will give you food. This person's nice. They'll let you spend the night. It's a safe barn. Don't stay here. Yeah, they're mean kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I had no clue as to any of that. It's
1: fascinating how people adapt to what they have to, and and, and the subcultures that are created. Yeah, you know. Have you ever heard of railroad cops from back in the day like this? Uh huh. So these were people who were hired by the railroads, and what they would have to do is they would have to walk the freight trains, like, while they're rolling, and, like, shoe people off of them. Dang. And it was apparently, like, a very dangerous job. It like, sounds like it. Super, super dangerous. I mean, because can you imagine these dark freight trains? You don't know if anybody's in there, but you're going to check so you can kick them out when they're yeah trying to be warm and get from point A to point B, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, they're trying, they're doing things for survival. hmm
1: Well, one time Carl was on a freight train riding out towards Montana. And when he got on one of the freight things, what are they called? Carts? Sure? I don't know. Anyway, when he got on one, there were four guys already in there. They seemed nice at first. Like, they were like, yeah, well, you know, like, hey, yeah, yes, cool. We'll take care of you, blah, blah, blah. And those four men gang-raped him.
0: Oh, my gosh. Oh,
1: God. He was able to escape before they killed him because that was certainly coming. Oh, for sure. And it's, it's said that, like, that incident was a little bit of a turning point for him. Like, all this other bad shit had happened, but he had he still had a little bit of, I hate to say this, but good in him. And then it was like, when he was raped by those four people, it was just like, it was the end for him. It just shut him down, and he became almost not human anymore. You know? Yeah. The compassion was, was gone. Not long after that, he got a year in Montana State Reform School for burglary.
0: Carl, leave those apples alone.
1: He, well, he was 14, too. So just again, to give you, like, at this point, he's already an alcoholic. God He's 14. Him. Like he started drinking when he was like seven. Well, here's the thing too. The Montana State Reform School was no better than the Minnesota one. When he got there, again, he was 14, but he was already, you know, he had hit puberty. He was, it looked like a man, you know, he was like 180 pounds is what one of the articles said. Like he just didn't look like a 14 year old. And so he had a bit of a reputation there. For being a fucking criminal and he'll beat the shit out of you and whatever, you know? Well, there was a guard that just was fucking relentless with him. And Carl was like, again, quoted being like, he kept on nagging me until I finally decided to murder him. Fuck. And so Carl was in the workshop one night and that guard turned his back to him. Carl picked up this, like, heavy wooden plank and beat him to death.
0: Fuck. Uh-huh. Well, Carl loves a fucking workshop to do some shit in. Mm-hmm. He burned the first mm-hmm. one.
1: But if you think about where he is, he's mm-hmm. in these reform schools, so that's what they had. You oh, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's free labor. Well, he said that for killing this guard, he basically didn't really get more time they just started, the guards were more aggressive to him. You know, they started beating him more. He yeah. was watched more, that kind of thing. So in 1907, he's like, I'm done. Like, he put up with it for a year, killed that guard, you know, all that. And he's like, I- I'm done. I'm escaping. Like, even if it kills me, like, I'm getting about this, this place. He befriended this guy named Jimmy Benson. And together, they escaped from the Montana Reform School. And he said that like of his time with Jimmy, he said, I stayed with him for about a month, hoboing our way east, stealing and burning everything we could. I taught him how to set fire to a church after we robbed it. We got very busy on that, robbing and burning a church regular every chance we got. What the fuck? And so that was, again, that was how he got his money and, you know, all of that. I think, too, it was his own way of, like, what he would think of, like, a poetic justice Mm -hmm. for the first reform school. So true. In December of 1907, he was in this bar drinking by himself, and he heard this guy, like, giving a speech to recruit people to join the Army. Well, he tried to join the Army, and it was a clusterfuck. He, like, legitimately, the very first day he was charged with insubordination— and, like, refusing to do shit. Well, duh. Yeah. He just, he could not handle, he just is not good with authority. Well, he lasted until April of 08 when <laughs> he was like, okay, I'm done. He So, he went AWOL with some clothes that he had stolen. It was like $88 worth of clothes, which was a fuck ton of money back then. Well, of course, they figured it out and found him. And so, he was court-martialed. <laughs> and he pled guilty to 3 counts of larceny. He was dishonorably discharged and he was sentenced to 3 years in Leavenworth, Fort Leavenworth prison.
0: Oh, damn.
1: So, okay, this is where it kind of well, the whole thing's fucking interesting, but okay. William Taft, our president.
0: The one who was so wide he had his
1: had to have a bathtub made specially yeah, for him. Yeah. Yes. Okay. At the time, he was the Secretary of War. He wasn't president yet. And he's the one who signed off on his sentence. But this would not be the last time that we hear of William Taft in this story. Dun-dun-dun. Foreshadowing the foreskin. hmm So, okay. The Fort Leavenworth prison was, like, the worst of the fucking worst. Like, when you think of a cartoon prisoner... With, like, literally a ball and chain on them. Yeah, that. What? Yeah, like, like a 50-pound ball they had to carry around with them. Mm-hmm. So, he and a bunch of other prisoners, when they were taken to the prison, they were on a train. It was a 1,000-mile trip. They were not given food or water.
0: A 1,000 miles? Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. So, think of how long that would take now, driving in a car, going fucking 70 miles an hour. Much less... A train. So, in the Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary, the prisoners had to, like, stand in formation every single morning. Rain, shine, whatever. Freezing, don't matter. They're out there. And they were also not allowed to speak. If they spoke, they were severely beaten.
0: Only while in formation? No, all the time. All the time? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: When he was there, too... So, remember, he's carrying around a fucking 50-pound ball strapped to him. He had to work 10 hours a day, 7 days a week, breaking rocks in a quarry. This just cracks me up because, like, in this article, they're like... So, he's getting, basically, way stronger. Like, So, you you put a 50-pound ball on these guys, make them carry it around all fucking day. Then... You put them to work breaking rocks in a quarry, and then you treat them like complete and utter shit. You're having them live in a fucking powder keg, and then you're making them stronger than you.
0: Right. Yes. You're
1: dumb. Yes. Because, and you know, one, one of the articles was saying how, like, the guards knew, like, if those prisoners revolted, they're fucked. And so they used the beatings and all of that to, like, keep them down. But really, you're just making him more, yeah, aggressive and mad, and yeah, you're poking the bear. But then, while you're poking the bear, you're making the bear fucking stronger. Well, in 1910, he got out of Limworth. He served his three years, got out,
0: stronger, angrier, mm-hmm. all of the above. Yes.
1: So now he's 19, and he's got nowhere to go. You know, no real family to care about or to, you know. And so, as he said, he had a strong determination to raise plenty of hell with anyone and everybody in every way I could. He's just fucking angry and bitter and angry. So he changes his name a couple of times, drifts back and forth across the states, burning things down as he could, stealing things, you know all of the all the things that he's been doing while he was on his America tour. He, like I said, would rob—the first thing he would do is he would look for guns. He said he used all of his spare money to buy bullets and stuff. He would also rape any men that he could. So he's quoted saying, Whenever I met one that wasn't too rusty looking, I would make him raise his hands and drop his pants. I wasn't very particular either. I rode them old and young, tall and short, white and black. It made no difference to me at all except that they were human beings.
0: Wow.
1: He had a bunch of different, like, small run-ins with the law, stealing a bike, got six months, you know, just little stuff like that. But he would always escape. So, do you remember me telling you about the railroad cops? Like, and who they were? Yeah. So, Carl said that one time he was in this railroad car, and there were two other guys in there. And he's, like, checking out the younger one as he says, sizing them up, deciding when to pull out his hog leg and heist them.
0: What the fuck is is this? Is his hog leg his gun or his dick? His dick. (laughs) It's gotta be. It's got to be. Mm -hmm. I'm using that now. Ooh, let me get that hog gun. (laughs)
1: Hog gun? Hog gun. Hog leg. Hog leg. Longhorn (laughs) foghorn. It's that whole thing again. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So he's about to get his... Hog leg out, and the railroad cop comes through, and the railroad cop basically says, "Give me your money, or I'm fucking throwing you off the train." He's like, "You're not fucking gonna take advantage of us to this." What, Donna? What is it? It's a gun. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we go straight to the dick.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had to look it up. Oh, that's so funny. It's a large single action revolver. Carried in the West by cowboys and frontiersmen.
1: Okay, well. Okay. So Carl is like, this fucking railroad cop is not taking advantage of us. Like, he's... Fuck you, right? Yeah. So he pulls out his gun. (laughs) His hog leg. (laughs) And he makes the two guys that he was going to rape watch him rape the railroad cop. And then... Holds them at gunpoint and makes them rape the railroad cop. Fuck. So after he really attacked all three men, he threw him off the train and like kept on his way to Oregon. So a lot of a lot of people are like, "Ooh, well, some of this stuff just seems too too good to be true. Like too extravagant. Like that didn't fucking happen, you know? Okay, so a railroad cop came in and." You raped him and then made the two men that were, you know what I mean? Like, and then you threw them all three off the train. Okay. But a lot of his stories, because we'll talk about later how all these quotes and all this came to be. A lot of it's been corroborated. Yeah. So he's not boastful in the way that he, like what you think of when you think of like a serial killer that tries to like up their numbers and make themselves seem more badass. Like his shit was
0: corroborated. Hell, he almost seemed so detached that he wouldn't even care what you thought of him. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like... Yeah. Old
1: Carl was not a very good thief. He, again, was on his American tour of riding the railroads and stealing shit. But he always got caught. And like I said, though, he would, like, use different names. And it's not like they had computer systems to be like, hmm, let me see where you were wanted for escaping prison. You know, it's like 1913. A lot of times when he was arrested, though he would escape from jail. One time in Idaho, he was arrested under the name Jeff Davis, and his first night there, he set a fire there. And just because the how the jail was shaped and how shitty it was and ran and all of that, like a bunch of inmates escaped with him.
0: Oh fuck! Blood yes, gates open.
1: Yes. One of the times that he was arrested, he had stolen a watch, and he was in Salem, Oregon. And so he was sent to the Oregon State Penitentiary. When he was at the Oregon State Penitentiary, it was 1915, when he was first admitted. And so they had to fill out, like, admission paperwork, you know. And he put that his birthplace was Alabama, and that his occupation, thief.
0: Wow. Well, at I least mean, he's honest.
1: hmm Well, as with every other prison stint that he's got— The guards immediately took notice to him. The warden that was there was, like, fucking straight out of Shawshank Redemption.
0: Oh, Lord.
1: These inmates were treated terribly. Lots of whippings with the cat tails They would starve them, use isolation, like, as a torture tactic. Just beat them terribly. Well... I think this is the place where, I, I, I'm getting this one and Leavenworth confused because they were both so shitty. But I think this is the place that they like basically had a circle drawn in the middle of the floor. And the inmates had to walk the line of the circle for like 10 hours a day or more. Like, couldn't say a word. Like, if they fell or if they walked too slowly or too quickly or whatever, they would get the shit beat out of them. The other thing that they would do is they would tie up, take all their clothes off of them, and then use a fire hose to spray them.
0: What the fuck?
1: hmm Like, those things are so powerful. One time, he spent 61 days in solitary. And, again, they starved him, too, when they were in solitary. And it was pitch black. And again, Shawshank, picture it. Only they don't fucking get food. He had to eat roaches.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> you could have said rats and I would have been like, okay. But, oh God, okay. Yeah. Just. L- okay, don't. We're not. I'm, I'm moving on, but oh I have to God, tell Oh my God, like you. literally skin crawl. Mm-hmm. Ooh.
1: So Carl helped a guy named Otto Hooker escape from the Salem jail. And when old Otto was out, he ran into the warden. His last name was Minto. So anyway, he ran into him in, like, a neighboring town and killed him. Like, fucking shot him. Was like, oh, you're the piece of shit that tortured us in jail? Boom. So with his murder came, like, this... The public was finally like, this is the shit that's going down in this prison? Like... Fuck that. Like, this is not okay. These are human beings. You can't do these things to them. It doesn't matter what they've done. You can't treat them like this. While he was in Oregon, there were escapes and taken back and escape, like couple of couple of different escapes. But eventually in 1918, he escaped and it stuck. He goes to Connecticut because so he's like you know these people have more money here like you know just bigger targets. Okay, so when he's in Connecticut, he sees this house and he's like, this house is gonna be where it's fucking at. Okay, it was a three-story house. He's like, okay, some aristocrat, something. I mean that somebody fucking lives here. You know we gonna we, I'm gonna hit this thing up. So he goes in, he finds all this jewelry. Bonds, a forty-five caliber automatic handgun, and he's like, "All right, all right, you know, hit the jackpot, right? Guess whose name was on the bonds? Taft. It was Taft's house. Oh
0: my gosh!
1: So by this time, he was a former president, and so he's like, "This motherfucker's the one that sentenced me to the three years in Leavenworth." Yeah. So he literally stole as it said everything he could carry.
0: So basically he looked like me when I walk into a movie theater with all my candy and everything.
1: He, he was Gus Gus.
0: Mhm. <laughs> Damn. Okay, legit me. Yes.
1: Okay, so after he stole all the stuff, he immediately went and sold it all. He got about 3,000 in cash for all the stuff he stole. Fuck. But he did keep the gun, okay? He bought a yacht. With the money. What? Uh-huh. And he was using the name John O'Leary. That's how he registered the boat and all of that. And what he would do is he would use this yacht, like, basically to get him in areas to steal things and not be so noticed. You know, like, he could go, to, if he's docked somewhere, he could go into other people's boats and shit and steal stuff and it's not be like, where'd this guy come come from? You know, he's, oh, he's just walking to his boat, you know? He takes his yacht to Manhattan and he's like, damn, look at all these sailors. I mean, it's me when I see a man in uniform. And so all the sailors were like looking for work. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to hire some of these sailors, A you know, air quotes around hire them and get them out to the yacht, get them shit faced, rape them, you know, all the stuff. And so he would... Again, so he'd get the sailors, he'd find them on the street and say, hey, you know what? I got some work on my yacht. They'd come, they'd drink, they'd think that they were all getting shit-faced, but Carl wasn't actually drinking. And then he would rape and kill them and throw them off the boats. Whoa. And he would use the forty five caliber gun that he stole from Taft, he would use that to kill the soldiers. Damn. Isn't that just such like a weird, like... Mm-hmm. Circular thing. Just, mm-hmm. it's very interesting. He was arrested a couple more times, wrecked his yacht, blah, 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 blah. So he stowed away on a ship and went all the way to Angola in Africa. So he's now taking his American tour to a world tour. Fuck. Mr. Worldwide. 305. There, he... We know that he killed an 11-year-old boy. He said that he raped him, and then he said that basically he beat him so badly that his brains were coming out of his ears. And I left him there, and he will never be any debtor.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: So the locals were like, no, nah, he did this. But they couldn't really, they couldn't prove it, you know? Well, he ended up hiring six locals to go with him to hunt for crocodiles because it was like, that was like a thing that the Europeans would buy. Well, the six locals that he had brought out into the jungle to work with him, he shot them all in the back of the head and then fed their bodies to the crocodiles.
0: Mm -mm, What the Lake Placid's going on?
1: (laughs) Well, after he tapped out Angola, because he there wasn't anything left for him to fucking steal. He stowed away on another boat and went to Portugal. Well, when he got there, he found out that his reputation had preceded him. And they were like, this motherfucker, keep an eye out for him. And so he was like, oh, skirt, I'm going to go back to the States. <laughs> so he got on another ship and went back to the States. So he is moving around, same shit, s- stealing stuff getting arrested, escaping, all the things. Well, one place that he stops is Salem, Massachusetts. And while he's there, this is in July of 1922, he meets this 12-year-old boy who was walking alone. The kid's name was George Henry McMahon. Well, so he sees little Georgie and he's like, hey, you know, come with me. Let's go ride this trolley. Go do some shit. So the kid goes with him. They ride for about a mile. They get off the trolley and he grabs him by the arm and tells the kid that he's going to kill him. He said that he kept George with him for three hours and raped him six times.
0: Holy Hannah. No, no, no.
1: And then beat him to death with a rock. Fuck. He buried his body under some tree branches and just left him laying there. So he walks, he starts walking away from the scene, and two people notice like this guy walking with a newspaper, but he's walking like, like he's kind of sketch. Yeah. So like, hmm, remember him kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, three days later is when they found the body, but Carl was already back in New York. The witnesses were like, no, we'll be able to recognize him when we see him, but. They just couldn't find him. They were bringing all these different people in for questioning, but they're not bringing in Carl because he's already in New York. While he's in New York, he meets a 15-year-old. His name was also George, George Wallison. He says that he almost like describes a relationship with George. Like, he, Okay, this is the quote. I started to teach him the fine art of sodomy, but I found he had been taught all about it, and he liked it fine. Oh, so my it was, gosh. Yeah, so, I mean, I use the term relationship loosely because it's a fucking 15-year-old. But it sounds like maybe they had a little bit of a relationship.
0: So, how do you take that quote?
1: About, like, the sexual relationship with yeah. George? It sounds, well, how I took it was, George might have been gay. And, I mean, we know Carl was. And so, he was already having sex With men, and so he didn't have to like teach him anything, he just was already okay enjoying it. Why, how you took it?
0: I took it as he, like George, had been raped or molested or abused before. Mm. So, I can see that. I don't know. Yeah,
1: I can see that. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I hope not,
0: right? I know. Do you think Carl was gay? Before all of the abuse at the training yeah. center and stuff,
1: yes, because there were there were times where he tried to have relationships with women, like throughout his time, that were pretty disastrous. And so I, th- I think it's because he really was gay. Okay. Well, Carl had another fucking yacht. I mean, how he got all these <laughs> fucking God. yachts? He didn't even have a fucking I don't know. Anyway, so he has another yacht. He, like, is always trying to get people in to, like, buy it or paint it or blah, blah, blah. So this guy came over, like, came on to the yacht so that he could see about buying it. Well, Carl ended up killing that man, shooting him in the head, and tied a metal weight to him and threw him overboard. And he's quoted saying, he's still there yet as far as I know. Another time that Carl was caught, he was sent to a prison in upstate New York called Clinton Prison. And while he was there, it was same shit. Like in the little town that he was, that the prison was in, it was like the working in the prisons was all any of them knew. It was like generations of families were guards and they were taught how to be guards from the previous generations and they were... I mean, they treated the inmates like animals. Mm. The torture was so bad that a lot of the inmates like suffered mental breakdowns. Golly! And then, so they would just like they that there was a state hospital for the criminally insane, like next door. And they would just take him over there. Like, oh well, that one. Let's take him there. Carl was very. He was always in always in trouble there. He would attack guards, that kind of thing. Well, this place was so terrible, though, that he was like, I'm going to escape, as he always did. He made a ladder out of shit that he had found around and tried to escape. But he fell while he was, like, climbing the it, it fell basically off of a 30-foot wall. Fuck. And when he fell, he broke both legs. Well, it says... Both legs and and ankles, so I'm thinking maybe he broke his femur and probably his tibia. But, and broke his spine, and he didn't get any medical treatment. Fuck. They took him back to his cell, and he was, like, literally had to crawl around his cell. Because he got no treatment. Fuck. <laughs> it, it even, like, okay, a, about a year after it happened... He was hurting so bad, they finally took him to the hospital. And they had to take, like, they had to remove one of his testicles because it was so damaged from the fall.
0: Fuck. (laughs)
1: Fuck. Well, here's the thing. He was like, does my dick still work? Right after he had surgery. So, he was found raping another inmate, like, in the hospital for having, like, while, like, having his, te- his testicle removed, he raped another inmate.
0: What the fuck?
1: I know. He just wanted to kill and hurt as many people as he could. He was trying, I mean, he was always scheming mm-hmm. on how to to do that. Like, he had these, like I said, he, it was all about the end game. And so he was thinking, like, okay, how can I plant a bomb on blah, blah, blah to kill the most people? And it just was, he was always trying to figure something out.
0: So the year later when he was having his testicle removed, he could walk and stuff again.
1: Yeah, he like basically rehabbed himself. Okay. I mean, he was he was not at all how he was before. Mm-hmm. He was severely disabled from it, but he could he could eventually walk again and all of that. Okay. Well, he eventually was released from that prison and then arrested again. And put into jail in D.C., in Washington, D.C. While he was there, he met a guard and his name was Henry Lesser. And they became good friends. Some say that they think that it was all a ploy on on Carl's part to get shit from him. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, money for commissary, blah, blah, blah. Some people say, no, they really did have a friendship. But... Carl confided in him and told him about killing these boys and, you know, all these people. And, I mean, they just became friends. Well, Henry actually convinced Carl to write down all the stuff and, like, create a memoir, basically. Henry would, like, sneak paper and pencils in the jail and give them to him. And he would write his life story, basically. And that's how we have all these quotes because, and it took like 40 years for it to get published to make a kind of a long part of the story short. He was in jail for all the different burglaries started talking about the murders and he was finally charged with his first homicide. Well, Salem, Massachusetts Department found out that, hey, here's this guy. These are all of his different aliases. He's been charged with murder. Let's send our two witnesses and figure out if this is the same guy. And they did. So Carl gets sent back to Leavenworth. And he was like, you know, when he left there the first time, he's like, I'm never coming back here. Well, he was sent back. And he was working in the laundry room. And there was a guard there that was... Total asshole, you know, wrote him up all the time. And again, the guy, the, I mean, don't get me wrong. Carl's a piece of shit. I'm, sh- I'm sure that 97% of those infractions he deserved, but also it was a different time and they were treated very poorly. It was Leavenworth again. Yeah. Been there, done that. We know how bad it was. Well, Carl got the chance and used this 20 pound steel bar to beat that guard to death.
0: Holy Hannah.
1: So by this time they the word's kind of gotten out about him. Newspapers are starting to talk about it and they're starting to put the pieces together with the things that he said. You know so in saying that he killed people and then they would go and they'd be like, oh okay wait, no, somebody really isn't you know they're just putting the pieces together and realizing, oh he's not full of bullshit. Well, they were trying trying him for the murder of the corrections officer. And Carl wanted to be sentenced to death. Well, at the time, the death penalty was outlawed in the state. So, but because it happened in Leavenworth, it was a federal crime Mm. and there was the federal death penalty. And so that's what he wanted. Well, there were some like advocacy groups that were trying to like fight on his behalf to be like, don't, you know... Don't kill him. And he's like, yeah. send him a letter like, shut the fuck up. I want to die. You know?
0: Yes. Not to be inconsiderate, but shut the fuck up.
1: Yes. Thank you for all your support, but leave me the fuck alone.
0: <laughs> but put me some commissary money, just in case. hmm
1: Well, he was hanged on September 5th, 1930. And listen to this. So, it's said that when they tried to put the black hood over his face... That he spat in the executioner's face. And that whenever they asked his last words, this was his quote. Yes, hurry it up, you Hoosier bastard. I could kill a dozen men while you're screwing around.
0: Damn.
1: Yes. So, he confessed to 21 murders, thousands of burglaries, robberies, larcenies, arson. And it's said that he raped more than a thousand people
0: holy shit
1: Uh uh-huh and that is the longest story known to man of old carly carl Panzeram. so i know that was a long story but
0: it was good he
1: like there's just so much to him Mm -hmm. we could have a whole nother hour of just like trying to figure him out
0: right okay going from the longest story And I told you I did a short one because I knew from that stack of papers I saw (laughs) it was going to be a long one. So, picture it. There is a small rocky island about three miles off the coast of Maine near Booth Bay Harbor. And it's like 2.5 miles off of the mouth of Kennebec River. And this is where Seguin Island Lighthouse is located. It was built in 1796, commissioned by george washington oh very fancy Mm -hmm. and its Maine's second oldest lighthouse it is around 186 feet above sea level and that means it's the highest lighthouse in the state just so y'all know Mm, that's important Mm -hmm. but even though it was like so high and all this shit when it was originally built, it was built, like, with wood and all that and with the salt from the sea, all of the, you know, all mm-hmm. of that. Not the best choice. George. Not, <laughs> not his fault, but George. So, in 1857, the tower had to be rebuilt. And then, at that same time, they got the First Order Fresnel Lens. And it's, like, the most powerful light ever. And it was installed there. And it's still in the tower today. The same
1: one? Mm-hmm. What in the
0: LED long-lasting bulb is that? <laughs> Sponsored at Liz. <Lowe's. laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, and it's like one of the only operational first-order Fresnel lens north of Rhode Island. That is very specific. Very. <laughs> very. When I read that, I was like, oh, it's like the only one. Wait, north of Rhode Island? That's like sports statistics when it'll mm-hmm. be like, this
1: is the first quarterback to have three sacks in the first quarter of the first game of the
0: first season. Yes. You know, it's like, okay. Yeah. But, hey, fucking Energizer Bunny right here, it's still going. hmm Okay. So, we know if you're on an island by yourself, One, it's lonely. Two, it's lonely as fuck. Mm -hmm. We've seen that movie. What is it? Castaway. God, that's such a good movie. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have a Wilson ball,
1: you're fucked. Sidebar. I know this is the longest episode ever. But did you see the thing on Facebook about the guy who was trapped in an elevator?
0: Yes. And he was a nurse or a doctor. Yes.
1: He's literally in there for like 30 minutes. But it was like every 15 minutes he would do a snap story that was like... (laughs) My computer, I've named Wilson. And I don't know. That shit was funny.
0: Oh, my gosh. All right. So back to the Lonely Island, not the band. There's a legend of this lighthouse. It was a lighthouse keeper and his wife. They got there. It was mid-1800s. And again, there was shit to do. And so his wife was even more lonely because he actually had a job that he had to do. Yeah, But she was just like... Pulling her thumbs. Yeah. So she fell into a deep depression and he was like, you know what? I think I'm going to get her something where we can play music, do something in our free time like we can do together and bond and, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So he's like, all right, I'm going to have a piano shipped here, which you can only get to this island by like plane or a boat. And so he had to have spent some money trying to get this piano I mean it's 1800s it's not like it's now you know Well hell
1: if you like if you get a moving company to come move your house and you got a piano it adds like $150 or Fuck. something
0: Yeah Well there was this some say a songbook some say a sheet of paper like a sheet of music and she learned to play it like she had no idea how to do it but mm-hmm. then she taught herself and she practiced, and she practiced, and she practiced, and she finally, like, mastered it. Like, piano tiles, master level. <laughs> well, he's like, well, guess I don't play with you because, you know, she's doing it all the time, and so now she's like a fucking... Tickling do- the ivory. Uh-huh. She's doing it with her toes, all that. Lady Gaga in it all over. Like a great balls of fire at a piano <laughs> bar. Yeah. Chopstick. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. So he's like, dear heart, love, you know, you are so good at that. Do you want to try a different song? Or, you know, like I can send for more music to come. And she's like, no, I like this song. Oh, no. Hmm. He's like, well, you play it wonderfully. Okay. You know? Hmm. And again, it's over and over and over and over. And finally, one day, he was just like, "Do you want to play another song?" Mm-hmm. And she's like, "No, no, 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 no! <laughs> you brought me here. <laughs> Fuck you too." <laughs> and then he said, "Okay," had an accent, was just like, "Bam, bam, oh my bam. god!" <laughs> uh huh.
1: It's not funny, but it's so funny. Like, how you gonna bring her to a fucking deserted island and then give her one goddamn sheet of music <laughs> and then get mad when that's all she fucking plays? Right? What you think? She's Mozart? She gonna make the shit up? <laughs> I mean, he
0: was like, fuck. So <laughs> So terrible. <laughs> so he destroyed that with an axe. Her. Not that. Her, right? The piano. Oh, I thought he... <laughs> I thought he just... He (laughs) killed her. (laughs) Oh, he did. (laughs) Right after that. But I thought that's what you said. uh, (laughs) Yeah. No. Oh, oops. (laughs) Foreshadow (laughs) the foreskin. (laughs) Yes. But he was like... (gasps) And so it's like, oh, this would be a nice bonfire. But also... And booped her with an axe. Oh, my God. And destroyed her. Damn. Mm Mm-hmm. And so... When all that calmed the fuck down, he was like, holy fuck. And he took his own life. Yeah. And how? I wonder. He jumped off the
1: lighthouse? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Well, because I was like, if he's only got an axe, how you fucking do that to you?
0: You know? Oh, God. Visitors to the lighthouse, they report hearing some piano music. They say that it kind of, like, resonates from within the lighthouse. And so when they're drawn to it, no one's there. Nothing's there. Yeah. Also, they say, because it's, like, really foggy there, hence why they had to have a lighthouse and Mm -hmm. all of that. But they say, like, on extremely foggy nights, you can definitely hear the piano music. And even, like, some people who were on the ships and everything passing through, will say they hear it on those nights. Dang. But she's not alone there because people have seen who they believe is her husband walking along the island. But he will be carrying an axe, like dragging it. Oh, my God. Uh Uh-huh. Do you think they get along? Probably not if she's still playing that goddamn song. And, I mean, the whole he killed her thing. But she played that song. It's like if you had pineapple pen on her fucking pee. <laughs> I'd be like, "Can you play fucking Baby Shark?" But again, the whole he killed her thing. I mean,
1: she got she's got a right to be angry. I mean, she does. And now they're stuck together there forever. Oh lord! In a permanent loop of the song and anger. Mm-hmm. That sounds terrible. Terrible. That sounds like marriage. I'd rather go to fucking Walmart.
0: Oh, fuck, no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) To pick up, my groceries. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Good one. (laughs) Good save, good save. Ooh, Ooh, Walmart, don't say it again. Ooh, Mufasa. (laughs) Okay, now before that lighthouse keeper and his wife and the music... The first lighthouse keeper was major, and then they have count in parentheses. So, hmm. John Polaretsky, who was a count of Hungarian nobility. Oh, mm-hmm. very fancy. And they said that went back many generations. However, I'm like, why was he the lighthouse keeper then? mm
1: mm-hmm. Like. Well, the only count and countess I know is Countess Luann from Royal Housewives and Count Chocula.
0: Mm-hmm. Count Dracula, too. Yeah, but Count Chocula is yummy. Okay, it, they have a lot about his past, but who the fuck cares? He was granted that position in 1898, and, like, living there was not great because it was very remote, mm-hmm. and it had really harsh conditions.
1: Well, I was going to say, he was granted that
0: position. Mm-hmm. Sounds more like he was exiled to that position. Right. So John served for eight years, doing his, you know, lighthouse shit. Mm-hmm. How long they had to do that? I don't know. Like all night long? I don't know. It can't be. How'd that
1: work? I wonder. She pondered to herself. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: <my God. laughs> Oh my God. Tomorrow, Carrie's going to know everything. Look, I went down a rabbit hole. (laughs) Okay. So, after eight years of doing it, in 1804, he died on the island.
1: With the strongest rotator cuff not to man. (laughs) He had a Popeye. (laughs) He looked like those arm wrestlers with just the one strong arm. Oh my God. Use my good arm. (laughs) My strong arm. My strong arm.
0: <laughs> mm, God, if y'all get that reference, that I fucked up. <laughs> good on you. However, even though he like basically hated doing it, he he wanted to do it, and then he hated it. Cause you know what, grass isn't always greener. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he never left. There have been sightings of him. Climbing the staircase to the tower, they just call him the old captain. Well, in 1985, best year fucking ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was going to say, you should agree, you were born too. Mm -hmm. The lighthouse was automated, so no longer Popeye in it. That's a long motherfucking time. (laughs) Meanwhile, it's like one thing that they just have to push if we're thinking like they have to like... I'm like, yeah... There was a crew that got there, and they were to move some of the furniture and just all the stuff. Because, I mean, no one needed to live there Mm -hmm. like they had been doing. Well, the supervisor of that crew, he was asleep, and he got woke up in the middle of the night. And it was by this old man dressed in oilskins, and he was kind of shaking the bed. And oilskins is... I mean, you know what a lighthouse, you know, like the big coat kind of things, they called them oil skins because they were like covered in some type of oil that made them water resistant. Mm. Yeah. And when I'm thinking of the lighthouse guy, when I picture him, I picture like from Scooby-Doo. I don't know why, but like. You know, they always were, like, somewhere weird like mm-hmm. that, and it would be, like, in a yellow coat with the, like, the hat on. The, the Gordon's s- Fisherman? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Maybe, yeah. It, maybe it's them. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really from Scooby-Doo. Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe I just mesh them together, mm-hmm. but that's what a picture. So, anyway, Gordon's Fisherman is shaking the bed, and this old man is, like, Don't take the furniture. Don't take it. Please leave my home alone. (gasps) The supervisor's like, what kind of fucking dream is this? This is so weird. But I'm here in this like isolated place, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever, whatevs. Let me roll over and go back to bed. Next morning, he gets up and he's like, all right, let's take the furniture out. Let's, you know, just keep going, whatever. Well, after all of the furniture had been loaded onto the boat and it was being lowered into the water, so like I picture from Titanic when they're lowering mm-hmm. the lifeboats, mm-hmm. all of a sudden a cable just <gasps> snapped and so it caused the boat and all the shit to just tump over like little teapot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, like, this furniture, all the wood and all of that just go crashing onto the rocks below and just shredding. God. Mm-hmm. He said don't take it. Exactly. He warned you. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you see someone in the middle of the night say, don't take my furniture, when you about to take the furniture? hmm Maybe. Listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I mean, I know you had a job to do and you couldn't be like, hey, there was this old man that woke me up (laughs) and said, don't take the furniture. So I just left it there. When that was the whole point of going. Mm -hmm. Some other things with the old captain is, so they have some volunteer caretakers during the summer because it's open as a museum and all of that. They'll have to be there, you know, for the upkeep and whatever for the tourist. They say that items have been moved around in the house, and they've also really seen stuff like being pushed off of shelves Mm -hmm. randomly, as always, cold spots. Mm -hmm. And they've had where, like, tools will, you know, they'll have them out to do something, and it'll disappear, only to reappear somewhere that they wouldn't have put it, you know, that kind of thing. Doors have opened and closed by themselves. Which could be wind. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it's
1: its an old lighthouse. And if it's up higher mm-hmm. doors, you know, I mean, it makes sense that it'd be windy. It's on the water, blah, blah, blah.
0: But they say if for any reason any of the furniture gets moved the next day or, you know, by the time they leave and come back, it's been shifted back how it was before. He's very particular. Yes, and so, they all say, you know, okay, this is the old captain. You know, he wants his stuff done how he wants it. It, You know, he was the first one here. Like, he set the precedent. Mm-hmm. There's another spirit, and it's of a young girl said to be one of the innkeeper's daughters. She died on the island, and so they buried her close to the generator house. But... People have seen her and they see her like just running around in the gardens. They will see her like running along the edge of the island and she'll laugh and smile. But then sometimes you'll hear coughing from like the lighthouse, you know, or in the gardens. And so they think she was sick and that's why she died. Yeah, But so she's been witnessed by... Like, everyone, from visitors to the lighthouse. And she's also been witnessed by some of the later innkeepers. And they said that she would be, like, running up and down the stairs of the lighthouse. And, like, when she would spot them, she'd just, like, wave happily, like a little kid. She probably doesn't even know she's dead. I know. They said that sometimes you can hear a ball drop, like a bouncy ball, Mm -hmm. down the stairs Mm-mm. No. Ma- I don't know why, because it just freaks me out. Because you know, like, it's a kid, and then it's sad because a kid's dead. Mm-hmm. Like, mm- no. Or it's a dog, and I don't want to think about a dog spirit either.
1: Or is it really either of those things, but instead is something evil pretending to be those things? Fuck.
0: Mm-hmm. Shit. Yeah, you just think it's a sweet little girl. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned, the island is open for tours and everything. However, let me just tell you, it's only during the summer months too. But this does not sound like a place I would want to visit because it's like there's great little areas to hike on. Okay, not a hiker. And I would fall and if it's like on this island, I'd probably, you know, smash against a rock. So no, but also it's like, a hike to get to the lighthouse itself when you get up there. Uh uh-uh. uh. And then I got to go upstairs to go to the top of the lighthouse. Mm hmm. This is not the amazing race. Mm hmm. Also, to get out of the water, sometimes you have to jump out of the boat in like knee high water and like get on over there. Uh uh-uh. uh. Mm-hmm. You know, mm hmm. I bet that water is really clear and beautiful though. Mm hmm. I don't buy it for a dollar. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Google it, and it's going to be like, crystal clear waters. Mm-hmm. It's pristine. Okay. I couldn't find a lot of investigations, but there was one. It's a team that's based in Maine, and they made some contact with some of the spirits, and they heard phantom sounds. They actually heard the piano music. I want to know what song it is. Right? Right. Some of them had, like, weird, like, it said physical afflictions happen. So, I don't know. They probably just felt, like, you know, weird. And, mm-hmm. I mean, if it was Zach, he would have been possessed by oh, an old absolutely. captain. Mm-hmm. For sure. He'd say, Captain, my captain. <laughs> yes. There was one team member, Ty Gowan, and he was touched. And he felt a tug on the back of his jacket And I think it was, like, at the bottom, so kind of like a little kid. Uh And one of them, their hair got tugged a little bit. Look, you ain't got to tug my hair. I really would like to see another, like, ghost bros or something Mm -hmm. go here and just see what they can find. Yeah. Because I I really couldn't find a lot of investigations about it. But they have distinct spirits and... You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like it would be easy to try to communicate and target, which... I mean, there's there's four, you know, right? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So, that is the short, but really, like, sad when you think about it, because mm-hmm. all of these people were so isolated... Yes. ...and everything. But that is the story of the Seguin Lighthouse. I like that one. To add to the sadness, though, there are different spirits, but... It's like a lot of ships wrecked, Oh you yeah. know, close to it before they really erected the lighthouse yeah. and everything. So, I mean, there are multiple spirits that, you know, we don't know really about. However, it just kind of amplifies that area for activity, I yeah. feel like, you know. I like that one. Me too. And even though I'm like, I would not want to go there. I've never been to a lighthouse. I would want to go there for sure. Well, I mean, I would want to go there, but like... You don't want the... The hike. Yeah. Lord, the hike and and the water. Mm -hmm.
1: I'd be like, um... Can I get like a Jetsons walking sidewalk?
0: (laughs) I mean, just can I get it to where I don't have to get in the water?
1: Because... And then you're wet, and then yeah. you're chafed, and look, ain't nobody got time for that. Mm-mm. There's not enough baby powder in the world. Well, and they say like
0: knee high water. Well, for me, that's going to be at least to my belly. Mm-hmm.
1: That's what I'm saying. Fucking yeah. chafe
0: for days.
1: <sighs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You got a
0: shower over there? I could shower and put some more baby powder on. Right, and then okay, so you want me to be wet, and then walk, hike, and then go up some stairs, chub, rub. Mm. You won't be hearing music. you would be hearing something else. My your thighs, thighs going. clapping <laughs>
1: together. Start. Well, I'll, I'll, hold on. I'll let me start your fire for you. <laughs> <Damn>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay. Well, what we learn? Baby powder is the key for your happiness. Oh, one billion percent. <laughs> no, we learned that. Fuck. Even though people do terrible shit. When you hear about their past, it really is still, like, fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, hearing about all the abuse he suffered, it, it it doesn't make anything he did right. Right. Or less bad or anything. I mean, he was a terrible human being. who Because he... But, I'm like, he wasn't even human because of how he was treated inhuman mm-hmm. all of the other times, you know? And so... He kind of just was a shell of a person because he had to survive. Yeah.
1: He learned at a very, very young age how to disassociate from himself. Mm-hmm. And from pain. He was a product of his environment. Some of it was nature. Some mm-hmm. of it was it just he he was who he was, you know, because For he sure. did start very, very, very young. For sure. But a good part of it was he was a product of his environment.
0: Mm-hmm. And not everyone, obviously. I mean, not everyone who was subjected to that becomes Carl.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, because there were however many other boys there with him, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Yeah. It's just that. It creates the perfect storm. Yes. And that's so scary. Mm-hmm. So scary. Because, I don't know, it things like this, and I get that it was like, Forever ago, but we know that that kind of abuse still goes on, Mm -hmm. you know. But it's just like, okay, so this is a terrible human being, but we need him off the streets. And, like, he's only doing petty shit, so he only gets, you know, a couple of years or whatever. But then, like, we trust that the system is going to work. But then, like you said, they were just making, like, super criminals with Mm -hmm. the ball and chain shit and all, Mm -hmm. you know. There was one, and I
1: didn't go into this, but just really quickly, there was at one point, I think it was after his buddy had killed the warden, the warden that took over was actually like polar opposite and was a reformist. Mm. And, you know, a warden needs to be a balance of discipline and a reformist, you know, because this guy was... Two lakhs. And, mm-hmm. you know, but he was like, let's create like a baseball team and this and that. And like, created programs for the inmates. And it drastically reduced the number of write ups, the number of fights, the number of, you know, all yeah. things. And, you know, he would like, when Carl was trying to kind of figure him out, he was like, okay, well, I'm going to just, I'll leave the gate open. And if you want to leave, leave. And I'll see you back by dark or something like that. You know, showed him trust and showed him kindness. And Carl was like, well, damn, I'm not leaving. I got to see what's about to go on. Right. You know, and so he would like actually let it got to where Carl was almost like a trustee where he could leave the prison and go and like drink at a bar and all that and come back. So it went too far. And one time Carl was finally like, well, I ain't coming back, Mm -hmm. you know, So, again, it's all about a balance, you know? So, he did have that spark of human in him Mm -hmm. when somebody believed in him and showed him kindness. He reciprocated. Mm
0: -hmm. And almost, like, shocked his system.
1: Yeah, which is why he didn't walk out of the prison that first day when he said, Okay, I left the gate open for you. I'll see you. Yeah. You know? And then I think, too, whether he was playing a long game with Henry Lesser or not— he still kind of befriended him, mm-hmm. and when given the opportunity of Henry turning his back to him, he didn't kill him, and he said, don't ever do that again. And Henry was like, but we're friends, and he's like, don't trust me. Never turn your back to me again. Yeah. I can't, you know, he was like, basically like, you're one of the only humans I don't want to kill, but, but I may, you know? Right. So who's to say, had he been brought up in a loving environment would he have been the way he was
0: yeah so it's so hard and it's just so like oh my gosh but like you said okay so say you know that he he was brought up differently think of all the lives that could have been better mhm thousands of people he raped mhm and it think of, like
1: the domino effect of the victim becoming the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. And so how many of his victims that he didn't kill, did they, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's, it's a fucking domino effect. Yeah.
0: That's what's so scary. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of off subject, but I'll, I watched Mindhunter, the second mm-hmm. season. I haven't watched it yet. And just one of these, it's not a spoiler or anything, but they were kind of going through like... He's got to be this. This is how serial killers do this. Mm-hmm. And and I can't remember who said it, but it was like, yeah, but you're studying the people who get caught. True, You know, so you have to think differently because there's a shit ton of people who don't. That's so true. And I was like, fuck, that is scary. Mm-hmm. Just like that Israel Keys guy. Yeah. I mean, he if he wouldn't have fucked up that one time. With that girl, like, he would not have been caught because Mm-mm. he was, he didn't fit any of the profiles, you know? Just fucking random as fuck, like, mm-hmm. walking down the street, you know, and being like, I'll kill him, you
1: well, know? Well, the randomness, but also... Oh, he was prepared. Oh, yeah, with his kill boxes and stuff mm-hmm. that he would bury and then two years later uh-huh. kill someone with it. Yeah,
0: it was just a random person, so yeah. there was no... Connection. There
1: was you, there was no victimology. Yes. for them to find to follow to figure out who.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh! But y'all, Israel Keys is scary as fuck. True crime bullshit is all about him. It's mm-hmm. I think it's on its second season, so it's a podcast. Definitely go check that out. I haven't I haven't listened to all of it, but like like it's a whole series just about him, just about him, and oh, like dang. it's called True Crime Bullshit because in one of his interviews. He is, like, basically, because he hated, like, BTK and shit like that because he was, like, they're stupid Mm -hmm. because they wanted, you know, like, they had to have all this shit and, you know, they kind of wanted to be called, Mm -hmm. you know. And he's, like, and, I mean, people are just, like, obsessed with this true crime bullshit, you know, and it's, like, God, I don't know.
1: But the thing is, though, is that. He wanted to be, too. Like, everything that Mm -hmm. he hates in people like BTK, it's because that he identifies with it. Mm -hmm. Because you always hate in other people what you hate most in yourself. Yeah.
0: Also, y'all, Mindhunter season two, I feel like was way better than season one. And I loved season one. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, it's everything we we know. Like, it's crime, you know, true crime fans. Mm -hmm. And so, like, BTK is in there. Which, I think he was, like, mentioned in the first one. I can't, I can't remember. Okay. But it's just, like, I don't know. All of these people, and I'm like, oh, my God, I know all about this. But then how they go about it, I lo- like, I was, like. It's new. and mm-hmm, I was drawn in. Yeah. Okay.
1: I got to. It's on my to-do list. It was really
0: good. Because I feel like the first season, sometimes my, like, it took a little bit to get into it. mm mm-hmm. No. This one, I was, like. Uh, yeah, I binged it in, like, two days. It's nine episodes, y'all. Oh, that's not much at all. mm
1: Okay. Anything else? mm Other than, remember.
0: Creep it real.
1: And, and don't, don't get scared. scared.